Hello and welcome to Start the Week with Lorna and Lottie, the place where we chat leadership, culture, communications and coaching, episode 11, the trust issue. And Lorna, I want to say good morning. This is Amsterdam calling. <laughs> good morning, Amsterdam. What are the results from the um, Netherlands jury today? For the podcast, nil point. <laughs> And and for wonderful, wonderful Amsterdam, is that that's Copenhagen, isn't it? I'm so bad for my <laughs> European city. <laughs> European geography, not our strong point. Yeah, I am I am channeling Ted Lasso's Rebecca hard this weekend, Lorna. So we're actually recording this in on the canal. Did you fall in the canal and be rescued by a handsome Dutchman on a boat? Very nearly, very nearly. <laughs> we're actually recording this on a Friday because I have hot footed it to Amsterdam to um have a rather lovely weekend um, where I am Rebecca from beginning to end, frankly. So, yeah, that's what that's what I'm doing. And what are you doing? I am um, not in Stoke-on-Trent. I'm or in, Copenhagen. I am in what one of our clients lovingly calls Lorna's sauna in, uh, <laughs> in Stratford-upon-Avon in my office at the bottom of the garden. With all your clothes on. With because it's blinking freezing can you imagine with all all my clothes on and a gilet actually and a heater so you're, cha- you're channeling that, that client who calls this lawn who calls it lawn sauna even more because we know he is very partial to a gilet he is partial to a gilet i'm in the sauna so this is a little homage for the chief operating officer from um, aspen insurance morning lee Big um, up, <laughs> how's um, your dog walk going because we know we always listen to the podcast during the dog walk exactly Exactly. So, Lottie, the trust issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's an mm. awful lot to say about this. We're going to go. We're going to go deep on this one, baby. But can I start? Actually, can I start by asking you a question? Mm, of course. Okay. Do you trust me? Hmm. <laughs> of course I do. Of course I do. Why? Why? Great question. Great question. So you know me. I don't trust easy, and um. The reasons that I trust you are there's there's lots of them. So the the the, fun, the foundational one is that I feel safe with you, psychologically safe. I know that I can be open and vulnerable with you. I can be completely myself, and you won't judge me. You won't use it against me. It won't come back to bite me. You won't um you'll never invalidate me. So that's the foundational one. I think also though you know I feel like we um. We work very well together. We we communicate very openly. We have fun. We we get things done. We achieve things. So I can trust you to deliver with me and for me. And I think actually you celebrate our successes. So I love the way that you champion me and you champion what we do. And all of that, I think, combines to um, to give me trust, even though you don't know where I live and you hate my jumpers. I trust you anyway, baby. But I love that teal one you've got on today. Thank you so much. It's the jumper has me. passed the vibe test with the, the Lottie in Amsterdam. That's not a Dutch accent. Remind me never to sing on a podcast or ever attempt an accident. An accident. An accent. I need to stay in my lane. And also the, the other thing I think. Today? Pardon? How much coffee have you had today? Has there been a lot of coffee in the morning? A lot, though, yeah, yeah, there's an espresso machine in the apartment. Okay. All and right. I'm, I'm, I'm taking full advantage of it. I can tell. And I'm here for it. Do you trust me? Yeah, I do. And, you know, 
I, I trust you implicitly. And I was thinking about this. And one of the one of the reasons I think I trust you so much is we have consciously in our business relationships sought to understand each other, not just from a professional perspective, but on a personal level as well. Mm. And for me, understanding more about you as a person outside mm. of you professionally has enabled me to continue to as we've shared you know we, we share a lot of stuff you and I we share we share lots of work thoughts but we also share a lot of our inner quite personal thinking as well and for me yeah. this whole kind of effort that you and I have made so consciously to really understand each other fully in the round has really helped I think contribute towards this complete professional and personal relationship that we have that for me is fundamentally based on trust and it's an honour and a privilege to have that trust to have earned that trust um, and for you to trust me um, with your trust as well. And isn't it? I think that one of the re- one of the reasons that I trust you is that I know I have your trust, and it's 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 reciprocal. It's a, it's a reciprocal thing. Yeah, and yeah, the, and the reason we're talking about this is the Edelman um, Trust Barometer 2024 has just hit, and it's not even exaggeration to say that trust is the biggest issue facing the world right now. Um, mm. You know, I'm going to go as far as to say right now we're sitting on a ticking time bomb. Uh, the barometer makes for some bleak reading. I'm just going to give you a couple of, of highlights of that just to kind of give us some context for what we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, the battle for truth is one of the four key trends emerging from Edelman's trust barometer. A great quote, the infodemic is real. People choose what to believe and they have these self-reinforcing thought bubbles. There is a gap that continues to grow between trust in government and media and trust in my employer. I mean, it's a nightmare thought, but the UK of all of the 28 nations surveyed, the the UK government is the 28th in terms of trust. So there's this massive um, macro mistrust happening. But within that, we continue to see my employer and my CEO continuing to be the most trusted source for people um and yeah and and i I guess it's but but there's a horrible paradox that we'll go on to discuss at the minute in a minute between the fact that people are are seeking trust from their employer but employers don't seem to be reciprocating it but we'll go we'll go on to talk about that in a in a second yeah and and lottie you introduced me to the edelman trust barometer because it's something that i think um firms in um advertising and PR are very familiar with it's not something I'd come across as, as much as before I, I started working with with Woodread but they really are the um the global authority on tr- on the the state of trust um across the world aren't they yeah and it's well well worth anyone re- having having a really good look into it actually and, it, yeah. and it's terrible and, and it is actually it's it's frankly terrifying it's it is worrying, isn't it? It's really worrying. I think um, it's easy to think, well, it's fine for us in organisations because my CEO and my employer are the most trusted, so we're all right. But of course, we're talking about this macro context of a lack of trust. And the thing that really caught my eye when we started talking about this this week, you sent me 
the Edelman Trust Barometer and said, oh, it's out. Have you seen it? And I had just finished reading this article in the Times or the Financial Times about the increasing use of surveillance by organisations with their employees. It's a booming industry. There was a stat that I think you found. What percentage of of organisations? 78% of employers are digitally surveying their staff. So there's a a paradox between employees looking to employers to be that source of truth, to be these trusted institutions. And then at the same time, employers are surveying and mistrusting their people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's dangerous. That's really dangerous. And um, there's a, a chap by the name of, um, oh, goodness, I need more coffee than you do this morning. I um, Paul Zak, who did an awful lot of research into organisational trust in the neuroscience around, around it. And um, one of the things that he has identified is that trust is indeed, as you and I know on a, a personal level, trust is reciprocal. So he's done lab research as well as field research that demonstrates that if you give somebody trust, their oxytocin levels rise. And oxytocin is the neurochemical that not only is released when we trust somebody, but it's also the neurochemical that's released when we feel we are trusted. So it both causes trust and is generated by this this feeling of of trust. Um, And because it's reciprocal if you don't feel trusted you are less likely to trust so it's such a fragile thing you and joe use this phrase um all the time which i think is from david mcleod am i correct the trust arrives on foot but leaves on horseback yeah exactly and and that's what exactly i mean i think he he says it so succinctly that that trust is a continuum trust isn't something it's not trust isn't a project that has a beginning a middle and end trust 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 is a, almost an an, an, an infinite continuum of reciprocal input and conscious effort from two parties, be they you and I in the relationship we have, or be the CEO and the rest of the organisations, and also generational as well. Because I think the, the other element to this kind of ticking time bomb of trust on this macro and micro level is there's global mistrust going on, global mistrust within with um, government and media. There's a lack of trust with my employer to the employees, but also we've got this massive generational mistrust going on as well. Mm-hmm. You know, poor old Gen Z are getting it left, right and centre. You know, even millennials' attitudes towards Gen Z is really disparaging. <laughs> the amount of boardrooms we've sat in where our C-suite have been scratching their heads going, I just don't get them. I just don't understand them. I don't trust them to turn up to work on time. I don't trust them to be able to be working when they're at home. Yeah. And it's easy to say, isn't it? Because, um, you know, this is a bit of a tale as old, old as time. As long as there have been different generations, there have been different generational divides. And it's the truth that if you get old, you'll look at the young and think, oh, my God, when I was your age, I wasn't that stupid. But there's an extra layer of this sort of social media world that we all live in which some of the research is now showing is really starting to create really um reinforce those divides you live you live in different virtual worlds now as different generations you're not even experiencing the same world and as you just said um those self-reinforcing thought bubbles you're also you're almost experiencing very different truths so that the difference between the world that your gen z employees are operating in and your 
millennial Gen X boomer leaders are, are operating in could not be more different. And of course, that makes trust very fragile across generations. And we could go on, of course, to look at it across other groups in organisations. It's wherever there's potential difference of experience, there's a trust gap to be bridged and built, right? Yeah, yeah. And I just, and I honestly just, I, I just don't think employers are getting it at the minute. I really no. don't. I mean, it was, it was really shocking to read all that surveillance stuff that you sent me. I mean, I think we get it at a kind of a, like, at a, at a, it's a bit, nebulous right I, I speak to a lot of leaders and they they of course we need trust and then they're like, of course we trust each other and when you dig under the surface of it actually fewer than 50 percent of organizations have true organizational trust good, yeah high yeah trust. but but then if but if you look at this if you look at the data that supports the high trust environment right I mean it's so stark it's so staggering um compared with people at low trust companies people at high trust companies report 74 percent less stress that's the cortisol that you were talking about 106 percent more energy 50 percent higher productivity 13 percent fewer sick days 76 percent more engagement 40 percent less burnout that comes from the harvard business yeah. reviews yeah so can we just touch on this for a minute? Because you know I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to our neurochemistry and our on neurochemicals. I do, and I'm I'm so here for it. <laughs> so I say quite a lot when I go out and talk to organizations, I say that businesses can unintentionally become cortisol factories. We yeah, I love that expression. We do all these things that generate cortisol in people's systems and cortisol is a stress hormone. And what cortisol does is it shuts down our ability to empathize, to think clearly, to be creative. It puts us in fight and flight. And we can actually be running on very um, persistent long term cortisol, and not even really realizing we're doing it. What lots of organizations have done and try and do more of is introduce more dopamine into the into the environment and dopamine is that reward chemical it's actually the chemical that's generated in anticipation of reward so we try and make things more fun or we create some rewards for people but what i think is really underserved in organizations is this the neurochemical that actually is key to trust which is funnily enough also key to love and connection and we that's probably why we don't focus on it in organizations because we hate talking about love in the business of context Make but it's february so, so i'm going to talk about love let's talk about love baby um that was awful uh that wasn't even a song really, by the way it's not you, the song but i wasn't going to say you meant to say you meant to say sex but obviously i was going to say that because that i mean oxytocin is also released during that fyi but i'm not hard recommend that that is not this where is we go. not that kind of podcast this is not that kind of podcast i am not that kind of consultant put glasses <laughs> back on ties hair in bun um so a just white coat my point really bringing it back into the room and trying to stop my face from oh, sorry what, what derailing you? from Amsterdam it's because you're in Amsterdam yeah exactly um the point being that oxytocin is this under it's, we give it less attention in organizations than I think we should do and oxytocin is about the human bonds the bonds that bind us so trust is really about having this bond between people uh, that creates and it's interesting if you look at high trust companies having less stress as you said lower stress is lower cortisol the opportunity for your oxytocin to be more, you're talking um, about build you're talking about building human connections here you're totally talking about building human connections and the, the brilliance of Paul Zach's research is that he went and measured the oxytocin levels in people's blood he was able to prove it so granularly um and there are things that you can actually do but the problem is is that as you just said we are unintentionally 
creating little cortisol spikes in our employees time and time again. So it's no good saying we need to have an organisational culture of trust. I hate to say it, if you're digitally surveying your employees, you're implicitly saying to them, we don't trust you. Do you we know what? And, and, and do you know what? Something else. If you Google organisations with trust in as their vision statement, right? There are oh. thousands and thousands and thousands. I did a little. I did a little search yeah. earlier, and so many organisations have got our vision is to be the most trusted organisation in this particular sector. Our organise, you know, our mission is to be the most trusted um, place for employees and our customers to thrive. And right. It's just like slap trust into your vision statement, right? And trust will follow. It's just like it, it's it's literally not going to. Yeah, we we throw it we throw the word around very freely, but if we yeah. really start to think about what does it actually mean to have it, to demonstrate it, to nurture it and maintain it, it's a very, very fragile yeah. organic. Uh, and, and we know and we know it's nebulous, and actually because we want to try and cut through um the nebulousness, which I know isn't a word, but anyway, I'm in Amsterdam, so I can say whatever I want. We've got um, just a few really simple kind of takeaways, haven't we, for, for three three easy, I say easy, it's not really easy, but three ways that you can start to work on engendering trust with, with your people. And one of them is really simple. It's share information broadly, isn't it? It's what Paul Zach says, and Amy Edmondson agrees. She says you need clear, direct and candid communication. Yeah, what blows my mind is that um, Paul Zach's research found that only 40% of employees feel well informed about the goals, strategies and tactics sure. of their organisation. We know that from working with clients. Yeah, so sharing information broadly, and that's not just the macro information, that's the micro information. So if you work in a business where information is power, you are generating a lack of trust because you're holding on to it rather than openly sharing it. And that's, you know, can, that's a candid information, it's feedback about performance both individually and at an organisational level. So it's not just about, you know, we issue a newsletter once a month. What do you mean yeah. with, you know, genuinely that open communication needs to be in in your cultural DNA. That's so it. that's I'm not, I'm not, not, pulling up the, not pulling up those walls of silence as well that obviously create kind of Chinese whisper star situations as well. I think oh, it's about leaders yes. being really honest. You know, and if they, I always say to people, if you don't have if you don't have the answers, it's OK, but tell people you don't have the answers and tell them why you don't have the answers and tell them when they might be able to expect the answers. Yeah, I had lunch with somebody yesterday who said to me that they'd been told off for sharing quite basic information, like the fact that they were leaving the business on a certain date and a project needed some continuity. They'd been told off for sharing that information with someone that they were working with. And if you're told off for sharing information, nothing is nothing's that secretive yes you know the uh, colonel saunders secret recipe right let's not share that with everybody but i think we can openly talk about what's going on around here yeah the other no, thing that is that paul's that really um found results for for in his research was recognizing excellence and providing opportunities to really champion success and recognize people um and the third is intentionally building relationships, intentionally creating time to build human relationships. So it really comes back to what you and I were talking about at the beginning. The reasons why I trust you and you trust me is it's reciprocal. I feel that you trust me and you feel that I trust you. And that kind of it grows it, itself. We yeah. openly communicate. We build the relationship. We champion each other's success. 
So they're not very different. No, and, and you know, and I don't think pe- people who say that actually hybrid working virtual meetings is not allowing people to build connections. I completely dispute that. You've, you've yeah. just got to you've got to make sure you're just asking the right questions. You don't physically have to be in the. It's just something I was reading before we got on this um got on this podcast about saying that someone's view, some someone from Forbes's views that we've got this lack of human connection now because we're doing everything virtually. You know, you and I get together what once or twice every month in person but we've built such a strong connection because we know how to ask each other the right questions it doesn't mean we're doing it it doesn't matter that we're doing it through a screen so I think that's just it's just an excuse well I would say yes and to that so um oxytocin is generated by being in the physical proximity of another human being that you feel safe with so that's the reason why premature babies are given that skin-to-skin contact with their mothers because it's the oxytocin that actually helps improve their immune systems and and um and grow and and develop so there is science that says that actually being in physical proximity with another human being and feeling safe is a is a great way to build oxytocin that said i agree with you 100 that intentionally using that virtual time to not just do the task stuff but to do the human stuff that's what i meant we spent i mean we are we are quite extreme but we love it and we always have great creative ideas that come out of it we spent an hour and a half before this pod shooting the breeze just shooting the breeze talking about personal stuff talking about ideas sparking off each other and those things all kind of melded and mushed into each other as the best things do and it's because we gave it that ease and that time and that space and that air, yeah that we gave it space we gave it airtime we gave each other permission yeah. even though we're both you know phenomenally busy we we know that spending that time that looks on the surface like we're just idling away um is so fundamentally important a to the ideas we come up with but b to strengthening connection con- strengthening our connection between us ergo building trust yeah and i think this is where organizations can sometimes fall into a little bit of a trap because they um they get very puritanical about this kind of connection time and they think well let's box it off right let's you're absolutely right yeah 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 this half an hour is fun time everybody go and have some fun in fun time oh god no not enforced fun whereas if you just created a bit more ease and space in those environments when people are together and permitted fun that's what i mean permitted fun culturally say it's okay to idle the first 15 minutes of a meeting away just chatting shit basically yeah and i guarantee that the last the last 45 will then be, be so super productive. productive yeah so much more productive and it feels so counterintuitive because you think I've only got this time I'm back to back on teams meetings it's so depleting though to be back to back on teams meetings that are just about task achievement and monitoring and work whereas if those teams meetings began with a 10-15 minute just a human interaction and opportunity to laugh to listen to really understand what's going on for each other to talk around random shit um you would find that the remainder of that yeah and I'm it's funny actually you know again I I like to reflect on kind of the growing relationship that I have with my clients and again the clients I have the very best deepest most trusted relationships with you can guarantee we'll do 15 or 20 minutes of just chatting shit essentially but it's so fundamentally important um as ever we are um nearly towards the end of the podcast so what I'm going to do um in a very professional and responsible podcast styly is just go through those three points 
at the end, the three takeaways that we think leaders from today, from as soon as they've listened to this, can start to do to start to rebuild some of this trust. It's share information broadly, clear, direct and candid communication, recognise and celebrate excellence and build human connections. Yeah, and I would actually start with build human connections. You need one thing. Yeah. Build, make, make, give everyone permission to build human connection in your business today and always. Lottie, look at you in Amsterdam. I need on blinking Trent. I might never come back, mate. Uh, you're gonna need to because we got work to do, kiddo. Oh yeah, well, I've got um, three kids and two cats. And that. <laughs> and them. And them. But I'm more important. <laughs> you, of course, you are, my darling. You and your and your fascinating collection of jumpers. And I've got my pink jumper on again. Oh, you know, what? I really need to diversify. Maybe I've got some nice coloured jumpers in Amsterdam, eh? I like you on a beige one. I've got a wardrobe of beige jumpers. Yeah, you know I don't do beige, babe. Okay, well, I wish you well. And um, <laughs> on that on note, let's end. <laughs> have a wonderful weekend. Obviously, it's Friday. We'll pretend it's Monday. Have a wonderful week as well. Well, at least it means we're going to get the uh, pod out. Um, start the week. Start the week. Absolutely on. Start the week. Who, who knew that this was a thing that we could do? Twenty twenty four. New us. Let's go. Let's go, 24. Right. Um, right. It's been a pleasure. It's gorgeous to see you. Always a pleasure, always. never a chore. And Lorna, just before we go, I have one thing I'd like to say to you. What is that? Ik hou van jou. I have no idea what you said, but I'm going to go, go and put it, Go and put it's, it into it's Google Translate. It's yeah. giving me the warm and fuzzies, so I'm going to go and look it up and um, say it again. Ik hou van jou. Ik hou van jou. Because I really do, Lorna. I really do. I trust you and Ikal Banyal. Ikal Banyal. I'm going to go and look it up. Okay. And, uh, have a good weekend. Yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.